throughout Christian history, people have tried to identify who is the Antichrist. And um, through the years, I made a habit of looking up the list and see who is in and who's out. And if you read the list, it's very amazing, really, because it included former uh, Roman emperors and some corrupt popes and uh, Bonaparte and Hitler, FDR, uh, Henry Kissinger, Louis Farrakhan, and even Sam Donaldson of ABC. (laughs) (laughs) And I suppose these folks are now off the hook. But today, what I want to do is prayfully and thoughtfully try to clarify what the Scripture says about the Antichrist, and if there's some confusion, hopefully that by the end of the message that I'll bring some clarity. The Bible speaks definitively about a person, and it's called the Antichrist. He first is identified in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. That's the first time you hear or you read in the Scripture about this character. And then he was reaffirmed by the Lord himself in Matthew 24, 15, when he said that when you see the desolation that's spoken of by Daniel. And then, of course, the apostle Paul himself writing to the Thessalonians and explaining that this character is going to rise at a time prior to the return of Christ. But it is chapter 13 of the book of Revelation that probably gives us more of the details about this person. But there's something that is of uttermost importance I don't want you to miss. It is very important. The same John, who had been privileged to go into the very portals of heaven and see the future as present, the very apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, the following. That same John said there are many antichrists who have appeared. What does he mean by that? Listen carefully, please. It means that anyone at any time who opposes the fact, the truth, that Jesus and Jesus alone is the way to the Father and to salvation and to heaven is an antichrist by a small a. You see, that is why... A lot of people confused. When they see an antichrist, they will think he is the antichrist, and they jump into conclusions. That is why throughout Christian history, when people saw a political figure or a religious figure or a a powerful figure, uh, a public figure, who is publicly opposed to that central truth that make Christianity to be Christianity, when they saw this, they said, ah, he is the antichrist. But please understand, ever since Satan was kicked out of heaven, and remember Jesus said those words. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You see, Jesus was there before anything was created. It is through whom and by whom the whole universe is created. He has existed and pre-existed with the Father before all worlds. And he saw what happened. And he said, I saw Satan fall. What happened? Satan, Lucifer, was the angel of light, and he's supposed to serve the living God. But one day, in his heart, he turned and wanted to be God, and wanted to conduct a coup d'etat, if you like. He wanted to be on the throne instead of God. 
and God kicked him out of heaven. And you read about Nazai and Ezekiel throughout the Scripture. And so he was thrown out of heaven. And from the moment he'd been thrown out of heaven to this, he has always been in opposition to God throughout the earth. In his opposition, he enlists many public figures. Why? In order that they may articulate and enforce his opposition to God and God's plan in his Messiah, Jesus the Christ. All of these antichrists with a small a have been and will always be in every generation and every nation. You'll find them. You'll see them. If they're opposed to the Christ, if they're opposed to the fact that Christ and Christ alone can save you eternally, then they are an antichrist. But the Bible also speaks about the Antichrist with a capital A. And he will rise immediately prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will be an individual who will literally control the earth. And so far, even with the efforts of others, nobody ever controlled the world. This character will be able to control the world. He will rise at a time when there is a great deal of confusion and a chaos and upheaval. He will rise at a time of uncertainty and unrest throughout the world. He will rise at a time when there is political and economic upheaval. He will come at a time when there is a desperation for peace of mind and security, at a time when there is a sense of hopelessness in the world. And at that time, that person will preach hope, optimism, peace, and security. Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, he said that person is a powerful, charismatic orator. He will be very persuasive and charming and winsome personality. Intellectually, he's going to be so brilliant in his power of reasoning. In fact, he will be possessing something of a superhuman power. And he will be everything that people hoped for. He will be the ultimate political leader. He will be the ultimate religious because he will speak with religious tones. In fact, he's going to set himself up against Christ. He will be the ultimate smooth talker. He will unite the world under his rule. And for a brief time, he will deliver exactly what he promised. He will deliver peace and prosperity and hope. But once the world came under his spell... Once the world came under his control, he will turn and become a ruthless dictator. Above all, he will deny that Christ is the only way and the only truth and the only way to the Father. And I want you to think about how our world is so ready, is so prepared for such a character. How our world is so ready. Today, You have to be living under a rock not to realize what is happening around the globe. You have to be literally living in space not to realize that there are forces in the world today, powerful forces, that normally are opposed to each other. They are metrically opposed to each other. And yet, somehow, they are becoming united. The very core of the unity is one thing and one thing alone. If they have one thing in agreement, in fact, they disagree on everything else except for that one, that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. Whether it would be humanistic, secular humanists, whether it would be atheists or agnostics or 
New Age mystics or Islamists. They all united on one thing. That is, Jesus is not the only way to the Father. Now, these groups normally would be into each other's throat. And they will at one day. But for the time being, they have this one thing in common that is uniting them. And it is the denial of Christ's claim to be the only Messiah and the divine Son of God. And to add insult to injury, two of the most extensive surveys ever been conducted in the United States of America came up with the following results. 54% of all Christians of all denominations do not believe that Jesus is the only way. 37% of the so-called evangelicals do not believe that Jesus is the only way. (laughs) To say that you are an evangelical which means you believe in the gospel, in the gospel of Jesus alone, as your means of salvation. But to deny that he is the only way to salvation is like saying, I'm an American, but I deny that there are 50 states. Do you get the confusion here? But you can see the seeds of confusions have been so deeply planted, even in the minds of more than half of who claim to be Christians. And this is just in this country alone. You go to Europe and the percentage is huge. Add to this chaotic economic conditions around the world, and you will have to conclude that our world is ready for such a character. Now, whether he would be an antichrist with a small a or the antichrist, only God the Father knows that. We don't know. Oh, but Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, He said, this smooth operator, he's going to be worshipped. He's going to be adored. He's going to allow people to sing praises to him and bow at him at his feet. But once he has the upper hand, once he held the world under his spell, literally people will be surrendering to him. And then he will turn on the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. First he will try to use them, and then he will turn on them. In Matthew 24, 15, Jesus said that he will commit the abomination of desolation. And the same thing in 2 Thessalonians. Paul said the same thing. What does it mean? That he will perform false miracles. He's going to perform false signs and wonders. He will appear to possess superhuman power. And the question is, where will he have this power? Where will he get that power? And the answer is, Satan is a spirit, and therefore he's forever looking for a warm body in order to possess so they can carry his water, if you like. He's forever looking for, the, for a spokesman. He's forever looking for an individual whom he can possess so that that person would do his bidding in opposition to God. In fact, Revelation chapter 13, it tells us that this Antichrist is going to fake his own death and resurrection. So people say, ah, who does he remind you of? Right. He is the Christ. Now, let me stop here just for a moment, because I'm aware of the fact that some of you are more versed about this whole subject of the second return of Christ than others. And after studying these views for all these years, I just decided that as you study the Scripture, there are four things that are absolute essential. 
Number one, that only those who receive Jesus as Savior and Lord are going to make it to heaven. Number two, that Jesus is coming back to take the believers to reign and rule with Him in heaven. Third thing is this, that there will be a judgment over those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, will be miscarriage of justice on God's part. The judgment is part and parcel of the gospel. I know we don't like to hear it these days. We don't, we'd rather think it's not going to happen. We'd rather bury our heads in the sand. But the Bible repeatedly says there is a judgment that is coming upon those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fourth thing is this. When Jesus appears, I and all the believers are going to be with Him. And that's enough for me. <laughs> that's enough for me. That's enough for me. If we go through the tribulation, we don't go through the tribulation. And there are some of our brothers and sisters right now going through tribulations. Whether we can see the Antichrist or not see the Antichrist makes no difference. <laughs> Whether we, uh, we're gonna, the new heaven and the new earth is a new planet or this one is going to be transformed, it makes no difference to me. It makes no difference. When I trusted Jesus for my salvation and my eternal life, when you trusted Jesus with your salvation for eternal life, you have trusted Him to take care of all of your future, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. Whenever Jesus is, that's heaven, and I'm going to be with Him, and you're going to be with Him, and everyone who put their trust in Him are going to be with Him, and that's enough for me. My simple mind said, that's enough for me. And the one who created this beautiful, beautiful earth, and we look at the beautiful scenery of, of this planet, he said that he's got a far more beautiful place, is, and it's available and is prepared for all those who put his, their trust in him. He promised no matter what happens, he will never leave us nor forsake us, that we are engraved on his palms and the palms of his hands, that we are carried on his shoulders, that he who touches us touches the apple of his eye. And the Word promised that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created thing will ever separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's the good news. And here's the great news. Both in Thessalonians, or Paul's teaching the church in Thessalonica, and in Daniel chapter 7. It tells us that just prior to this demon-possessed, inspired charmer <laughs> becomes so powerful in his deception, right at that moment, the Lord will appear, and He will destroy the Antichrist, and He's going to lock Satan forever in the lake of fire. Daniel chapter 7, verse 21 and 22. He said, As I watched this horn, talking about the Antichrist, was waging war against the saints and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and he pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. Amen belongs here. Now, my friends, that's really what it's all about. That really what's all about. Don't miss what it's all about. And don't get bogged down in these charts and, and fixing of dates. That's all that matters. Let me show it to you now from Second Thessalonians, and I'm going to move through it very quickly. 
You have to understand the background in which this epistle is being written. Paul was combating false teachers and false preachers in his day as we are combating them this day. Except this day we want to get along with them. <laughs> and Paul never tried to get along with them. He just called them from what they are for what they are. He was combating these false preachers and false teachers who said that Jesus is not coming back physically. There are some people within the Christian community today and the evangelical community who say that Jesus is not coming back physically. When he said, I'll come back to you, he was referring to his coming back from the resurrection. After the resurrection, he came back to the disciples. That is absolute falsehood. Jesus himself said, I'll be back. <laughs> Jesus repeatedly said he'll be back. And so Paul was combating those false teachers like we combat them today. And Paul said, let no one deceive you uh, while the return of Christ is going to be sudden to those who are unprepared. <laughs> but that day will not take us by surprise. That day is not going to take the believers by surprise. Why? Because those who are anticipating the day of the Lord, those who are living and preparing to meet the Lord, whether He comes back this afternoon or whether individually we go back this afternoon, those who are waiting for Him and looking for the sign of His return are not going to be surprised when they see Him. They'll rejoice. Those who love the Lord, when they see even church leaders today denying the divinity of Christ, denying the claims of Christ, embracing a wholesale departure from the faith in what the Bible calls apostasy, denying Christ's authority over His church, denying Christ's resurrection. When the faithful believers see all of that, they will not be shaken. They will not be surprised. They will be immovable. But rather, they will rejoice because they are living in expectations. They are living in anticipation. They will be filled with joy when that day comes. When you see, even some of the elect, and Jesus said that, by the way. I didn't say it. He said, some of the elect are going to be deceived. And when you see some of the elect today are being deceived for the sake of popularity, for the sake of being wanting to be accepted, when you see them watering down their conviction and watering down their belief in order to get along and say, well, we just all have disagreements with each other, but talking about religions that are absolutely diametrically opposed to the Christian faith, when you see all of that, don't get shaken in your faith. Stand firm. Stand and wait because you're going to see the Lord coming back. Jesus told us this is going to happen. Don't be surprised. But indeed, what you need to do, what I need to do is to hold fast in our faith in Christ. We are to be diligently serving in the name of Christ. That we are to be urgent in calling people to come to Christ. We are to live our lives with joyful expectation for the coming of Christ. We are to rid ourselves of the idols that have replaced Christ in our lives. We are to look up because the day is drawing nigh. 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 and 7, Paul is saying, as you see the restraining power of the Holy Spirit beginning to withdraw from the earth, 
when you begin to see the restraining power of the Holy Spirit withdraw from many a church, when you see many a church operate on human wisdom and not the power of the Holy Spirit, when you see the Holy Spirit restraining power being rejected by many a denomination, look up, look up. The deceiver is around the corner, and he will use this chaotic environment to his advantage. Look at verse 8. Then suddenly the Lord Jesus will come and will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. I don't know about you, but I can't wait. I live every day with that expectation. As I told you last message, I, I put in 14, 16 hours a day. I'm not going to put on white robes and get on the mountains. He's going to come and find me working hard, not idle. You plan as if Jesus is not coming back for a thousand years, but you work and you serve as He's coming tomorrow. That is the word of the Scripture. That's the balance of the Scripture. And when the Antichrist appears, he will have people under his spell. He will have people under his, his grip. They will literally persecute their Christian friends with intensity. Because through his minions, the Bible said, he's going to be in such control that nobody buys or sells without his permission. I mean, he's going to be in control of the economy. There may be someone here today whom I have brought into this confusion that says that Jesus is just a way and not the only way. Someone, for the sake of tolerance, have brought into this falsehood that says that all the ways leads to God, that all religions are equal, of equal value, that there are no absolutes. If that describes you, let me challenge you. Is your eternal life worth gambling with? Is your eternal life worth gambling with? Come to Him, the only one who dearly loves you, and demonstrated His love by sending His Son, His only begotten Son, to die on a cross to pay for the wages of your sins and mine. Come to the one who died to give you eternal life. Come to him now while there is time. Come to him during this time of grace, and he will give you peace and assurance. No matter what happens, we're going to be with him. Father, you have not left yourself without a witness. And there's not a single person who's listening will have an excuse in that day. But also, Father, I pray that you would deliver us who know you and love you from smugness, that we would have passion and compassion for those who don't know you, that we will pity them because the God of this world has blinded their eyes, and that we would speak the truth in love. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, the Holy Spirit convicted you, if you're living in doubt, and if you're living in fear, and God has clearly spoken to you, why don't you make that commitment right now? And I'm going to lead you in a short prayer. Let that be your prayer. Then please allow us to walk with you, come alongside of you. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, you died on the cross for me. You have given me yet another opportunity. 
to come to you. I do come to you now, Lord. I repent of my sins. I confess them to you. I receive your gift of eternal life. I receive your gift of forgiveness. Help me to walk with you day by day until either I come to you or you come to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.